be. Praise God. I understand you can be in a state of revival. Maybe not be having church every night, but be in a state of revival. You're in a state of revival here. I felt that three weeks ago. I felt that three weeks ago, that you're in a state of revival. God's wanting to revive the church. He's wanting to bring back to life that which was dead. He's wanting to restore some things that was taken from people's lives. How many of you know what restoration is? Restoration is putting it back into the original state. Hallelujah. They restore those old cars. When they restore them, you look at them and you think, it don't look like it had any rust on it. I could have have never dreamed that was sitting out in the field somewhere. It looks just like when it rolled off the the, the assembly line, come out of the showroom floor, praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. He can shine you up like a new penny tonight. Praise God. First Kings chapter 12, I appreciate your pastor. I appreciate Brother Jay Griffey. Thank God for Brother Jay. Didn't he preach wonderful today? Thank you for being so kind to us while we've been coming here and visiting. And uh, thank you for uh, being patient with us and praying with us about the will of God for our lives. We're still praying about the will of God. God has told us through several prophets of the Lord that, uh, you know, that he's got work for us to do. So I don't know what it is yet. God said he would show us it would be plain. Several times he's told us that. I'm just waiting. Praise God. First Kings chapter 12. Well, I feel this tonight. Verse 25. 12:25. First Kings 12:25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. Uh Uh-oh. And said unto them, I want you to look very closely to what this says here. It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Did you hear that? Can't you hear the satanic voice in that? Old Jeroboam was just like the devil. Just like the devil. Take as many shortcuts as you can because it's just too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. There they go again with that golden calf religion. Everybody thought that golden calf religion was all out of style after Moses made them grind grind it up and drink it. But how many of you ever know that same old worldly spirit still hovers around that golden calf religion that new cart religion and it's that religion of convenience 
and stopping short of exactly where you need to be in God, stopping short of where it takes you to get all the way over to where God can really start to do something with you. Praise God. Oh, yeah. Behold thy gods. What a liar. What a lie. Oh, Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he sent, and he set in one, he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. He didn't just have one place. Now Judah just had one place that you could go. And for them to do sacrifice and to do right, they had to go to Jerusalem. They couldn't go to Dan. They couldn't go to Bethel. They had to go all the way to Jerusalem. Are you getting this tonight? And this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places. Listen here. He made a house of high places. And then look at the next thing that he did. This is just like the devil too. And made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. Now, they was the lowest of the people. They was the bottom of the barrel. They was people that wasn't even faithful themselves. No doubt wasn't paying their tithes or wasn't sacrificing like they were supposed to. They obviously was going along with the plan of Jeroboam here. And Jeroboam picks these guys out that he knew was the carnalest people he could find. How would you like to be a priest? A priest of the golden calf down here at Dan and Bethel. Oh, how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> you going to take care of me like they did the Levites? I'll sign up. Let me put my name on the dotted line. You got a new Mercedes for me? Well, back then they didn't have Mercedes, of course. You got a new, you got a new uh, horse for me, a new mule, whatever. You know, what you got for me? Praise God. Anyway, Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. Notice he always has a counterfeit. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the 15th day of the 8th month. Even in the month which he had devised of his own heart. And ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. Oh God. What a terrible time in the history of God's people. Oh, my, what a terrible time. We need to pray tonight. I'm going to preach to you from verse 28. This little phrase that Jeroboam said, this propaganda that he was offering to them, this offering of convenience, this offering of easy believism, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up. That's what I'm going to preach to you tonight. It is too much 
for you to go up. Father, here we stand tonight. The Lord has fallen upon us tonight to preach your word. Father, I've carried this for a few days. I feel like that you're in it. I feel like you confirmed it, Lord, that you're in it. There's only one thing I need you to do tonight is make me into a preacher. Turn me into a vessel of, of, of the anointing of God. God, don't let me be seen. Let only your dear son be seen. Hide me under the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ. Hide me under the shadow of your wing, Lord. Don't let me have any friends tonight, Lord. Only you. You're the one and only that I want to serve and the one I want to, I want to please tonight. Help me not to preach for man's applause or man's approval, Lord, but to preach for you. We pray it all in Jesus' name and ask that you give us results in this altar tonight. Let revival fire keep burning and flourishing in this church. We pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. It is too much for you to go up. I guess I could paraphrase it. You got to go all the way. Hallelujah. Jeroboam of the northern kingdom established a counterfeit religious system by offering the people worship of their gods through idols. Now, if you, if you look back at this golden calf religion, this was not the first time that it ever came out. This golden calf worship was uh, all around, and, and they had experienced the same thing back when they had crossed over the Red Sea into the wilderness. As Moses went up on the mountain to convene with God and talk to God and receive the law from God, to receive the Ten Commandments from God, while he was up there, it didn't take very long. While the man of God was away, the people began to play. And he comes back down off the mountain, and he hears the sound of war. And he says, have they, have they confronted an enemy while I was gone? Have they, have they been invaded while I was gone? That's what he was saying. Are they at war? Have they gone into war? No, I don't hear the sound of the mastery. It doesn't sound like a normal war where people are fighting. It's nothing but a bunch of screaming and hollering and playing around. As it began to come down and get a little bit closer, he realized that the people had gone a-whoring after other gods. Praise God. There's no doubt that they got this idea from Egypt. All the different gods and deities that they had worshipped in, in Egypt that was not deities, but they said they were. Amen. All these different worldly religions and different. Did you know the Egyptians had, I forget how many thousands of gods. And they, they, they looked at the Nile River as a god. The crocodiles were gods. Amen. The fish were gods. And, and the reason the sun was God, the, the, the main god, Ra. They worshipped Ra above all of them. And instead of recognizing and realizing that goodness of God is why they had what they had, they gave all the credit to Ra, the sun god, and the Nile River god. That's why Pharaoh ordered all the firstborn to be thrown into the Nile. Not only was he wanting to get rid of all the firstborn boy babies, that was his way of also offering sacrifice to the Nile god. That's what they were doing by doing that. Praise God. I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. Praise God. So they had picked up all these different false gods and religions and picked up all these ideologies 
And God knew, God knew that if he did not give them a commandment about serving other gods before him and especially about graven images, let me tell you something tonight. God has always been the unseen God. He's the invisible God. Amen. He's the God that you cannot see. God has always wanted his people to worship him and serve him by faith. God has always not wanted his people to worship something and say that that's God. Amen. Some of the early church, they would even be careful about having crosses up because they was worried that people would almost look at that cross. Now, there is a, a Roman a Roman church that loves to put Jesus back on that cross and hang him in their cathedrals. I want to tell you something tonight. Jesus is no longer on that cross. You know, we have the cross hanging up. We have the cross on our steeples. We have the cross because it reminds us of the awful, terrible price that our Savior paid for us for our sins to redeem us from sin. But really, the cross was a terrible thing. Curses a man hangs on a tree. But anyway... They had gotten into this religion, this false religion, and Moses comes down off the mountain, sees all this. God brings judgment upon them. They're commanded to grind this thing up into powder. You eat this stuff. You eat this gold. Put it in the water. Put the powder in the water and eat it. You're going to see right now that anything that you can grind up into powder and you can eat, you can't be serving that. They had actually got to the place where they were lying. They were lying to themselves and saying, we are not, and I don't know if you realize this tonight, but I've done a lot of studying on this golden calf religion. They was not really saying that they were worshiping the golden calf. Even here, that's not what they were saying they was doing. They were saying they was worshiping Jehovah through the golden calf. Because, you see, they wanted something they could touch. They wanted something they could feel. They wanted something they could put their eyes upon. So what a better way to do. We don't know what else to do, but we picked this up from Egypt, and we picked this up from Babylon, and we picked this up from all these other places. You know, we picked this up. So we don't know what else to do. It worked for them. Maybe it'll work for us. Oh, glory to God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there was different times in the stages of Israel's history where people thought that they could take shortcuts. They thought that they, should, they could stop just short of going all the way for God. Another terrible time in Israel's history was where the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. Woo, Glory. When, when David finally found out where the ark was and went to get it back, what happened? They had lost touch with how holy God was. They had lost touch with what that ark had even represented. The whole reason why the ark was taken from them in the first place is because they was having more confidence in the box than the God of the box. Look at what happened. When they was getting into battle, they was living like the devil. 
Hophni and Phinehas had played the, played the fornicating, adulterous role of a heathen priest. Glory to God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Praise God, they had done awful in the sight of God. And the first thing that everybody wants to do when they get in trouble, where's the ark? Where's the ark? Where's the ark at? Where, somebody go get the ark. We're losing the battle. Somebody go get the ark. Well, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. I've done this, I've done that. I've offered sacrifice to God, all these different things. I still ain't getting where I need to go. Still ain't getting what I need to get. So what's the alternative? I ain't going to go all the way, so I'm just going to build me up a golden calf. I'm going to stop short of where God said I had to go. Praise God. David allowed those men to grab a hold of that ark when it started to fall off. First of all, who told them that they could put that ark on a cart? That ain't what God said to do. God said specifically that it had to be carried up on staves. He gave the plans, the wood, the shining wood, I believe it was, that they had to take and then overlay it with gold. Praise God. And forge in a certain way of pure gold and laid with pure gold. Amen. All those rings on that Ark of the Covenant stood for all the numbers, everything to do with the tabernacle and temple worship. Amen. Everything to do with the tabernacle and temple worship, I said, was symbolic of Jesus Christ and his work and what he was going to come to do to redeem his people from their sins. Praise God. So the commandment was put that through those those rings and pick it up. The priests had to pick it up. Nobody could touch it. Amen. Only Levites could pick it up on the staves. That's the only lawful way to carry the ark. So as they get a new cart religion and they put it on the new cart and they take off with that ark of the covenant, it begins to fall off the cart. And Uzzah, Uzzah, whatever his name was, Uzzah, reaches over to steady it. And guess what? Because of ignorance, he falls over dead. You may be one of those people tonight that thinks that ignorance is bliss when it comes to the things of God. And the less I know, the less I'm required to do. Not necessarily. Ignorance is one thing, but willful ignorance is a total different object. Well, I didn't know, Lord. Have you heard it preached? I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right here. Have you heard it taught? How many times has your pastor got up and preached against it? Oh, my God. How many times has a preacher got up, amen, and brought it out of the Word of God? 